to Burst and Bloom podcast. I think I'm actually kind of talking to myself because um, it's been a while since I've actually created the last podcast and I've been facing, well, some huge dragons of resistance. I told you right from the beginning, I have my dragons and sometimes they're super fierce and they get in the way and they seem totally legitimate, okay? Until finally, when I start to face them and slay them and start to do it, I will stall and stall and stall. And I can give you a list of really great excuses. Like, I don't know, can you hear my cat in the background? Mojito, his name is Mojito. And we got him probably about a month ago. And it's been the delight of my life, actually. Super great. I could actually switch over and just interview him because he's actually pretty cool. The only thing is hard to understand. He just says meow. Anyway, that has been a big preoccupation. Went to Vancouver and spend some time in uh, like traveling around with my hubby. So yeah, we did that. And previous to that, he had just kind of gotten back. He was in Mexico for a while. So that's like just been doing home stuff and taking care of home and family and building things up around here. And then I started back at my work. So blah, blah, blah. Those are all my excuses when you can't. You can't have those kind of excuses, okay? Yes, you can. All right. People have told me, well, you just got to, sometimes you just got to take a break and you just got to relax. And anytime while I've been doing my art in my art career, I've heard that time and again. Oh, yeah, you're just taking time for yourself. You know how everybody is, right? They get really nice help you feel better. But the truth is, if you want a creative life, you have to fit it into all the chaos. You can't keep pushing it aside because it will never happen. Life is chaotic. It continues, it continues, it continues. And then next thing you know, it's two months later and you're back in your studio and you're like, damn, this is hard. I can't even remember how to do this. And then that's your next dragon you have to face. You're now you're like afraid that you have no idea what you're doing again. It's a cycle that I haven't been able to kick. It's been a part of my life, part of my living, forming good habits. Although I've read about them, I understand they're cool. I know like you got to do something for two weeks or a month and then it'll become a habit, blah, blah, blah. I've done that. I've done things for months at a time and then bam, I'm off the wagon. Whatever. Here I am. Here we are. We're making the next one. I have an interview, a really wonderful interview with Mandy. I'll tell you a little bit more about her, but why don't we hear just a piece of this interview to get y'all excited? Okay, let's take it away. 
glass blowing studio right now. And you can probably hear the furnace. That is that the glory hole? <laughs> so you can kind of go stand near and see. Okay. So these look like they look like big kilns and and ovens, and there's three of them. But other than that, you'd walk by and you'd be like, "What's this?" You wouldn't really. No. It's all hidden. So what? Where does all that inventory go once you're Everything done? Everything that we make. Um, my house. Okay. Your, your house is full of glass. You have no cats then. I have cats. I what? two cats. How do you <laughs> it's in the garage. <laughs> I don't cry over broken glass. No. It's mostly like, actually, well, you don't have a cat, but she's got cats too, and she's got glass all over her house. Wow. Okay. We have good cats, maybe? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> maybe the dogs are what you could be more scared of. The tails. And then, so this pulls out from the trailer, or folds down, and it's got railings. And this yeah, so is this where... is like the side of the wall. Okay. So this awning comes down, yeah, and then we just fold this stuff in, and then this wall comes up. And this is where everyone does the shaping. Yeah, it's a very cool. Uh, yeah, it does look like taffy. Sweet. I just really wanted to say glory hall. Ha ha ha, glory hall. It's one of their ovens that they work in. They, she has three different ovens. Anyway, I go on to explain it during my tour, so I'm not going to spill all the beans right now. It, we were standing in front of it, and she's like, yeah, this is a, what we call a glory hole. It's hot. There's molten lava pouring out of it as we're working, and glass is being made. Okay, not really, but it looked like the inside of a volcano. It was pretty cool. You should check it out. Mandy, we had an interview. So Mandy Patchen started the Glass House Experience with Kai Schofield, but now she's working on her own, and she has lots of dreams and ambitions for the place. I have to say, my impression of Mandy is that she's a very focused person. When she sets up her mind to do something, no dragons get in her way. I mean, I couldn't... I was looking for the dragons. I'm like, was this really hard? And oh my God, this how could you pay for this? And but no, she just sounded like she was like boom, 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 just move straight ahead like the Terminator. Something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was my impression with this interview. So you can hear how Mandy kind of set up this business and some of her challenges but mainly how she's moved along in four years and how she's accomplished something that actually no one else does in Canada. She's the only mobile glass blowing studio here. So sometimes she's actually, well, she's traveling all over Western Canada and they're calling for out East. So that's pretty neat. She's got some staff. Seems to be that Mandy's biggest motivation is to increase the glass blowing community and contribute to that because often when people learn about glass blowing, they have nowhere else to go to make it. It's just supplies and space and equipment are really a huge barrier for a glass glass blowing artist. You know, I think I've got a lot of stuff to carry around when I'm a painter. 
but never mind, it's nothing if you are a glassblowing artist. So we'll hear, I'm gonna give first, I'm gonna have a little walk through the space so you get some idea of what it sounds like. It sounds like, okay, a lot of wind, but it's actually heat. You can hear the heat, it's crazy. And after that, I'm gonna tell you about the music. We have a very special, special, special musician on this uh, this podcast and maybe for many upcoming podcasts. All right, let's take it away. Enough of me. Yeah, and it's very hot. Like, how do you stand in front of this every day? Um, we have things like this, which is a heat shield. Oh, okay. Behind them, and then also just we're all kind of acclimatized to it at this moment in time. Right. Um, it's a little bit nicer when we're blowing glass in the winter, but the summer I just uh, make sure my skin's covered and you know drink a whole bunch of water. Yeah. So yeah, just to try to try to keep yourself cool, make sure you drink enough water, and you're not wearing uh, gloves or anything. Gloves kind of get in the way. Okay. So people kind of think, assume that we would be wearing steel toes and have gloves on, but we need a lot of dexterity and it has to be very, very fine and precise. So we're using a lot of tools. When it comes to maybe um, working on very large pieces and sculpting with tools, we would probably have gloves then when we're just kind of have somebody heat it for us and then we're going to be working with a torch. But for the most part, um, the gloves kind of get caught on things and we really, really need to be very, very precise with our movements. All right, there you go. Ballerina, glass blowing. This is the melt gas for glass furnace. So there's just a pool of clear molten glass in a ceramic bowl that can withstand uh, high temperature. Mm -hmm. So if I open this, it's going to be warm. Whoa. So you can see Holy shit, that is hot. Yeah. (laughs) You can see the coils. They're like dryer coils on steroids. Right. And that's where you melt the glass originally. And this runs the whole time. This stays on, so it takes two days just to heat this up to temperature. So if we're doing a one-day show or at an event... Two days just to heat it up. Just to heat this up. So if we're doing a one-day show, it's four days of work. Okay. So you know we were talking about the cost or whatever. So is this this a big cost, Um, the heating of this thing? The heating of everything in the studio is a big cost with the generator rental and fueling that, the propane. And then, of course, glass is also very expensive itself. So the generator you have, I saw, is quite gigantic. Is just one filling good for the weekend, or do you need no, to? No, we fill it every day. Every day. Yeah. And it's like a full gas tank, kind of like a car? Uh, we don't, it doesn't go through a full tank a day, but it goes through, yeah, close to half a tank a day. Okay. But we fill it every day just to make sure it's chopped up. Right. Wow. I don't know, the amount of different skills that you have to, in order to get this all done like the things you're managing is just blows my mind what do you do in glass uh so that's sort of a funny story 
I actually was in oil and gas for 16 years. Oh. And uh, I was a production and revenue accountant. What? <laughs> and then I just took it. I tried it one weekend. Uh, it was at a studio called, um, or with the teacher was Barry Fairburn. And it was like amazing. I fell in love instantly in like two days I was like okay I gotta take another class okay I gotta like go to the states and take some courses okay. and I went to ACAD nighttime took some courses and it sort of just grew from there um it was I guess just the fact that I'll forever be learning with glass because there's so many techniques that you can do with glass and mm-hmm. you can make any form and you can make any anything look like like you can make glass look like wood or metal or you know so many different things Right. But it's hot. Yeah. And it's dangerous. Yes. Right? Well, I wouldn't say it's dangerous. I think a lot of people think, oh my gosh, like, don't you burn yourself all the time? Yeah, or glass blow up in your face. No, no blowing up. (laughs) (laughs) If glass goes through thermal shock, it cracks generally, but there's no, like, blowing up glass. Yeah, no explosions. Okay. (laughs) Let's keep it that way. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, just being able to go through the process of learning it. And I think that's what I love. I love teaching it to people and kids. They just, they actually are very attentive and listen very well. We've had, you know, 10, 10 year olds in the studio on our truck teaching glass blowing. Wow. Several times we've done like birthday parties and the parents are like, how, (laughs) how did you get them to listen? And how is, how is nobody burned? Exactly. And I think that, you know, kids and adults too, it's just, listening to direction, knowing that things are hot, making sure you don't touch too low on the pipe and yeah, just following kind of direction. So you have any juicy accidents you can tell us about Um, when you first started or, I mean, I not necessarily juicy accidents. The truck itself was, I mean, nobody else has done it. Yeah. And no, and the couple people we reached out to in the States never really got back to us. So building the studio, there was a lot of different things that we had to learn and, and learning curves and whatnot. Um, but no burning, no... Honestly, two people have touched a little low on the rod, but not yeah. like, you know, third degree burns or anything like that. It's like, okay, hand in the water and let's okay. put some burn cream on that. Okay. I swap people's hands. Right, <laughs> so, right. It's actually kind of funny. The article in Prince George, the lady, she's like, I watched her. She was swatting people. She's like, yeah. I'm like, no burning in my studio. That's better than burning. Yep. <laughs> um, I've burnt myself twice. Yeah. Well, maybe three times. And... Most of the time, well, two two out of the three times I burned myself was from cleaning up the studio. So moving equipment that was, you know, still hot and right. just, you know. Well, I mean, all art comes with some form of, I don't know, I guess learning mm-hmm. with how to use it properly and stuff. Yeah. So like when I do lino cut, I've often cut myself with my like Razors. carver and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like even needlepoint or sewing or, you know, needles break and fly and there's always going to be dangers in anything you do, but I think it's respecting whatever you're working with. Yeah. Then you can kind of... And so what did you um, make first? Like, what was the first thing you ever produced that got you fired up, I guess? (laughs) Pun intended. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What made me hot? 
desire for this? Um, I would say I'm pretty sure like we sort of started with paperweights and then we went to yeah, smaller. Ashtray. Yeah, well, no, no ashtray. <laughs> I have made one since, but yeah, like a little paperweight and then maybe like a small blown vessel, like a little okay. vase. And of course, you know, when you first get into glass blowing and you're doing these things, you think, oh my gosh, I made this awesome vase and it's big. And then you get back and you're like, did it shrink in the annealer? Right. <laughs> because it's actually smaller than you remember, but... Well, the glass material itself is pretty expensive too, right? Yeah. Everything to do with glass is, is pricey. Um, Have you ever worked like just with recycled glass? Like, can you just take a bunch of jars and melt them down and stuff? So good question. There are some studios around the world that are just simply recycled glass. But every glass that's made out there has a different chemical makeup. So we can't just, you know, take your old light bulbs or anything like that and melt them in. So we use a certain brand of glass that we get out of a, a get from a manufacturer out of the States. Yeah. Um, It's got a coefficient of 69, which is the glass coefficient. And then all the color that we buy also has the same coefficient so that when they're mixed together with the molten clear glass, nothing would break. Right. And are they using recycled glass or no? Like they make it all from... No, I believe they just make it all. So all colors made out of different metals. So, right. you know, yellow has sulfur and right. blues have cobalts and greens have coppers. Because and... the colors are are glass as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know, for a lot of art, we work with original material like we're not we're not recycling mm-hmm. we like you know when you buy paint you're not buying recycled paint yeah when um people work with lino it's new lino most a lot of arts people are working with clean, clean. stuffs because you know the outcome of it mm-hmm. uh, but i think a real advantage would be to be able to make art from material that exists so, in that being said, uh, I know that there's also several artists that take recycled stuff and make things with it. Um, we can take some of our broken glass, we can take it and fuse pieces. Like, a lot of the times, a lot of things that we break, like, say, a nice vessel that we've made and it's got a nice patterning on it. Carly, um, one of my um, employees and colleagues in the studio, she'll take it home and melt it and make pendants and things like that for, to sell. Or oh, earrings yeah. or whatnot. Oh yeah. So if if I did more fused glass, I would definitely be using some some of this glass color yeah. that's mine. You know, right. like we were making some cups before you came up, and you know, we're working outside, so you know the wind came up, and I didn't heat it enough, so we got a little break in one of the glasses. So she's taking that home. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I guess so you can recycle your own stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have sold some of our glass to um, a couple people out in BC. Actually, they were making like tabletops. I'm not really sure 100 percent what they were doing with it. I was like, "Yep, take it. Yeah, <laughs> it's all yours." Yeah. But uh, and then also myself, which I can't do in this studio. We I used to make I t- took like um, Buddha beer bottles or oh, Corona yeah. beer bottles, and then you could heat them up and stretch them into a glass. Right. But unfortunately, just with the studio setup being outside, like you can't have any wind gusts because that type of glass yeah. cools extremely quickly. Okay. So you can't have the wind and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it could then crack or whatever. Yeah, it would break pr- yeah, pretty easily. So, <sighs> um, yeah, I guess that's another thing being on the studio 
it's like how to make a hard thing harder because we lose that infrared lighting that we look to in the glass to see the temperature of the glass. Oh. Because glass blowing is all about manipulating the glass, heating it and blowing in certain spots, knowing where it's hot, knowing where it's not. And we lose all those visual cues being outside. Okay. And then on top of that, we also have um, wind or weather, you know, snow, rain. Yeah. We've had, you know, plastic bags blow through the... Right. <laughs> through the well before we had our, our little um, windows there that we kind of put in the plexiglass, but... Yeah. Yeah. So they... How long would it take someone to actually get... I don't... I wouldn't say being a master, but more like just being able to make stuff on a regular basis. How long does it take to get good at this? So I guess it depends who you are but honestly I feel like you need at least like a year and maybe not a year necessarily in the studio every day but you know say a good three months in the studio to kind of get the basics down right because there's so much technique to it yeah so when we have a two-day class or you know our taste for glass class like you're not going to be you know, you're not going to walk away with, oh, I know how to blow glass. Yeah. On our two-day class, you know, you'll learn how to gather and get that initial bubble and a little bit about heating technique and things like that. But it, you have to repeat that constantly in order to actually even remember how to do it. Yeah. So you went through ACAD. Well, I didn't, I took some night courses, so I didn't, I don't have the degree. Really? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) So you didn't even get all those, all that time in those studios. That no. you would in a full-time program. No. Wow. So you had to do a lot of that on your own. Yeah. So I blew glass. I rented studio space for about a year all by myself. Wow. <laughs> Just trying to, you know, I made a lot of ornaments. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of moved to some bigger vessels. I skipped cups and went right to vases. Okay. And bowls. Okay. And then I did partner up with Kai Schofield, which is who we I built the studio with. And... Um, Working with him was actually really phenomenal because he he went to ACAD and he had you know worked with the Bee Kingdom and right. another local artist uh, artist group in town, and he he understood glass a lot more than I did. So okay. I looked up to him as a mentor, and then um, yeah, I just I took some courses in the states and some night classes at uh, ACAD and just working with different people, learning different techniques. So all along, did you know you wanted to do this studio or what happened? As, as soon as I started blowing glass, yeah. I, I like fell in love with it. And I'm okay. like, I need my own studio. I need to do this all the time. I want to share this. And yeah. after about, like I said, about a year to a year and a half into um, blowing glass is when I met Kai. And he also shared the passion for the art and sharing. And we really had aligned um, ideas of what our goal was okay. with, with the glass studio. So what was the biggest challenge? Uh, the biggest challenge was really just designing the studio and, you know, writing the business plan and, you know, how, how can we make ends meet? What are we going to, what are, how can we share this? Who's going to hire us? You know, what are right. we, where are we going to set up? <laughs> I mean, that, these. that sounds huge. Just that whole because you're doing something like you said nobody else is doing that you really had any good information on Mm -hmm. and so it's an unknown you're totally going into the unknown yeah yeah 
when you put it that way, yeah. <laughs> right? No. Well, like, you're like, yeah, who's going to hire us? Exactly. I don't know. Nobody's done this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and it, that's totally true. I mean, it, it was like, are we insane or yeah. are we genius? I'm still right. not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the question yeah. for the unknown. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Insane or genius? I love that. But also, like... So have you decided? Are you I, no, I mean, I think, they, I think that the jury's still out. And the jury's still out. <laughs> um, I mean, they haven't come back and told us anything yet. But, um, no, I think overall the feedback that we've gotten since we've started this journey has been, it's been more than heartfelt. Like it's, it's great to share with people. Um, it's great that we get so much positivity back from what we're doing okay and I think and I hope that it's helped the community grow some yeah just I bet for sure yeah nobody I mean if you haven't heard of glass blowing and you come along and you're at a festival or at a school yeah it's like I always thought of glass blowing as something done by passed down heirloom mm-hmm. masters in Italy mm-hmm. that's what I equate glass blowing with like and, and you're completely right. That's really what it was. So the Egyptians started with glass blowing. The Italians took over. And you're right, each family had a different style. And yeah. it was a secret. And they couldn't, you know, tell the rest of the world. And right. other, other people, obviously, in Europe and all over blue glass. But, you know, it was very secretive. And, you know, things have really... It's only been around North America since the 1960s, so that really isn't that long. Yeah. And the Italians have fully, you know, they're the ones who kind of showed some hippies here how to blow glass. They've been on board. Like last year we had the um, glass blowing conference out in Italy. It was the first time they sort of really opened their doors to the world. Wow. And it was the most amazing thing to be part of. Yeah. And that was literally like a year ago (laughs) did you bring stuff or did you just go we well other people like lots of people from around the world and lots of the italians were blowing glass and doing you know demonstrations and we all got to go and sit on these demonstrations and talks and parties and yeah it was it was amazing i love that shit i love traveling for that stuff oh yeah so eye-opening yeah to get out of your own little worlds and see yeah a Mm -hmm. different part different parts of the world and the artists think yeah. and and approach it mm-hmm. it really opens up I think it opens up your practice a lot yeah for sure I know I'm I'm looking forward to more traveling yeah you know the you know when you first start a studio you think oh I'm gonna have so much time to learn but nah. then also you gotta you gotta make ends meet so like today what we're doing is we're just the three of us are on the truck blowing glass and just creating helping each other with our own you know, um, moves and techniques. And yeah. I, this, as of this year, I said, okay, no, every once a month, one or two days a month that we're set up are going strictly towards blowing glass and getting creative and having fun in the studio because it's not always about work all the time. So do you have, uh, are you constantly expanding or do you feel like there's, there's so much untapped potential Still, are you feeling like that? Like there's more to do that you'll ever have time to do? Or how are you feeling about the whole business aspect of it? I think that there's always more that can be done in anything. It's about being creative about how you find 
those avenues. Mm -hmm. Um, I have expanded. I've got an employee base. Well, over this, since I kind of took over from Kai Foley um, about a year and a half ago now. Okay. um, I've had anywhere from two to 15 employees. So just depending on like mainly the 15 employees were when we were doing the stampede last year because we just needed to make sure we had enough people and but then like on a regular basis right now I've got about five okay yeah so I mean they're all part-time because we're not operating we operate about two weeks out of the month Mm -hmm. and then I need that downtime in order to like do other stuff yeah so I'm, I'm constantly I am constantly working um you're constantly doing the business yeah yeah. Part of it. Yeah. And so do you feel like your background really assists you in being able to manage this? Yeah, I think so for sure. Definitely having a business background. Just I find a lot of artists don't give themselves enough credit for the amazing things that they create. Yeah. And they don't know how to market necessarily. Like, And they yeah. don't teach any of those kind of things in school, which to me... Like, even in life, even in, like, high school and, like, just life skills, you know? Yeah. I feel like the educational system could prepare people better for being an artist. Or even just figuring out what it is would work for you. Like, even having a course that not... It it could be explicit on Mm -hmm. exactly do this, do this. Or more like, how are you going to survive? What's going to work for you? Mm -hmm. You know? Because this whole thing about Instagram, for example, everything should be marketed through Instagram. Like, if you're not a kind of social media person, that can just suck your energy. Yeah. Right? That's, that's totally true. And like, So you got to find, like, yeah. how am I going to get the word out? And that whole topic is not covered in art school. And just, even if you can't, like like computers I mean unfortunately it's a way of life and it's how we get out into the world but then sometimes if you can't do that then you almost have to find somebody that can yeah and you know if you have to trade art for a while to get them to do some of that for you or even just to teach you yeah then yeah or hire someone too if you can so what do you find you spend the most time like how do you get the word out uh, yeah, it's social media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Social media marketing, you know, through Google and Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, and re- most recently television commercials. We do. Oh, really? I try to get coverage as well, like doing podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and news media and stuff like that. I mean, you can't just go to the media and be like, hey, will you do an article on me? That doesn't happen. Right. So you got to you got to have something unique that will get you on there. Well, you're also in all these, like you said, like the stampede. You have mm-hmm. to apply to get in, mm-hmm. right? And then you get, and then you pay for that space? Um, so depending on the show, in for the most part, because we are a mobile studio, <laughs> yeah, which costs a lot to operate, it's either invitation or... Or they've hired us to right. be there. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. That's great. And well, nobody else is doing this. Like, yeah. It's, it's hands-on. And, yeah. And, and people can see things and try yeah. things. So. Yeah. And we can, you know, engage with the audience. Yeah. And You're part of the entertainment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's great. 
Well, congratulations on uh, bringing such a unique business to Calgary. Awesome. And just any artist that I can connect with who takes their love of the craft and is able to actually transform it into something that, okay, it's a business, but not only do you have a business that serves you, it's serving a lot of the community. And that's a huge leap. That's a huge leap. It takes, like you said, 20 freaking thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. just to operate. And not a lot of people are willing to go down that track. You know, it's, it takes a lot of bravery, a lot of courage. I feel like I have some courage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or craziness. And four, four years later, now you're starting to yeah. feel like, okay, I own this. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it takes time. Yeah. At first you're like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. And like we got business loans and all that stuff. So that's all, you know, creeping up to almost being paid off. So wow. that's a really, really Super. good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually, are you hoping that maybe you can sell it one day or something like that? Or Maybe I'll start another truck out in the east. Right. <laughs> Who knows? They yeah. want us down there so bad. And I'm wow. like, I can't drive five days yeah. unless somebody wants to grant me some money to travel. Right. Totally. <laughs> but. Super. Well, thanks for spending yeah, this afternoon uh, with me, a little time with me. And I hopefully, maybe I'll do some glass blowing one day. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate you coming in today. Thank you so much. Okay, great. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining. I want to tell you a little bit about our music. That was Doug Waite, and the song was A Date with Gravity. If you go on to Doug Waite, W-A-I-T-E.com, you can see a bunch of his other songs. Very rockabilly, beautiful style. He's one of the best uh, musicians we have around town. So go ahead, go check out his site, and download some of his music. He loves to share. Thanks a lot for joining. Please like, subscribe, give me lots of positive reviews so I can make my way up to podcast heaven. And go out there and burst and boom, baby.